real fast. That's real fast. And so you think about how fast that will be, super fast. I'm, I'm in. But we can, go, we can get around faster. We can, we can get information faster. We can learn about people on Facebook by stalking their Facebook account without ever having to talk to them. It's great. I mean, we have living the most connected, connected generation in the world, man. But while we are the most connected culture in all of history, we're also the most relationally detached and disconnected culture in all of history. Can, you, can, you, can we agree with that? Like we're, we're disconnected emotionally. Uh, we're disconnected in, 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 but in detached from each other. Like we have distant relationships. I mean, if you can think right now, how many close relationships do you have? Like a, a lot or a little bit? You have, when I say close, I mean this person knows everything about you. I mean they love you. They care about you. They know the, they know the skeletons that are in your closet and they're okay with it and you're all good. Like how, many, how many people are like that in your life? Think, just think through that. And so as I'm thinking through this, I start, I start hearing, like, man, that, that's not how we were meant to live as Christians. Like, as Christians, we were meant to live in community together. Like, not separated by, by divisions or, of, of any sort, not much less by the ones that God's telling us not to be divided over. And so as I was reading through these things, you know, they, as Acts 2, they had everything in common. They were unified around Jesus. They, they believed that Jesus had changed the fabric of time and space and that everything, that, and he tore the dividing wall down between everybody and brought unity in the body of Christ as they were coming to the Lord. And that the purpose of their life wasn't to live their best life now and then die rich. That wasn't the purpose of life, but to share the good news of the kingdom with the world until the kingdom came or either Jesus came and returns for his bride. And so I did some digging in Colossians, and I looked at, at Paul as he's trying to encourage the Colossians to, to go and keep going. And I, I want to read this to you. It's in Colossians 3. You can turn there or you can read on the screen, but I'm going to go quick. It says this. It says, verse 1, Since then you have been raised, so it's a, he's talking to Christians, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, that's a question mark, is Christ your life? Ask yourself that, and just rhetorically in your mind, is Christ my life, or is he just an asset to my life? Is he my life? When he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Listen to this. Put to death. That's actional. You, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature... Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. That's just terrifying. You should use to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all, all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have, been, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed. And knowledge in the image of the, its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But God is in all and is all. What that's saying, there's no more room for racism. There's no more room for divisions. There's no more room for hate. There's no more room for any of that in the, in the church. We're one in Christ. Christ unites us. He, he brings us together. He brings us together as one under his name. That's another sermon. Uh, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. Colossians 3 is literally saying, you have been born again. Quit living like the world. Quit living like the world. You've been born again. You have a new identity. You are a new creation in Christ, and there's no more divisions. It's not about you anymore. It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus, and it's about the people that he's called me to love. It's not about me. So I look deeper. What's, the, what's community mean? Like, I started looking at it. It says a group of people living in the same place and having a particular characteristic in common. And so I was like, what do we have in common? I was like, you know, so I'd say being full of the Holy Spirit kind of helps with that, right? It, it would suffice as having a particular thing in common, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I look deeper. The original definition of community literally means common unities. Isn't that cool? Like common unities. People with a common purpose, common values, living in unity. And I looked at that, and there are countless examples in our culture today of communities that are super unhealthy, and they're even pointless in nature. But that's, that's not what I look at when I see Acts 2 talking about them living together and having everything in common. Acts 2 paints a, a, a very detailed image of the church being made up of, of a small and, and powerful sales of born-again Christians, individuals who would meet in homes of 8 or 12 people, and they would be studying the apostles' teachings, which is the Bible, by the way. They would be in the Word together. They would be praying together. They would be fellowshipping together. They weren't just meeting as a support group. They weren't meeting together as, it's going to get better. You know, it's going to be all right. You know, that's not what they were doing. They were, everything was filtered to this. What's the Word say? What's the Word say? The most dangerous question or the most dangerous statement in any Bible study, this is what I think it means. That's the most dangerous place in, in, in a Bible study. So if you ever held, see yourself, I want to know what it means. So go to another place in the Scripture and get it verified of what this Scripture means as you're reading Scripture. Don't just go off ideas and opinions. They weren't just meeting together as a support group. They were building each other up as a powerful agents of Jesus who knew they were being sent out on a mission because they were reading and they were listening and they were hearing and they were seeing and they were going because they had a message from, from God himself through Jesus to be sent out to go with, a, with the message of the kingdom, to be going to their communities because they had a central purpose of being equipped in these little bodies to be effective and in and committed to the kingdom. And so what happens today in our culture is we get so sidetracked by our own um, ideas and our own agendas and our own lives and our jobs and our plans and our dreams and our goals that Jesus is just an addition to those things instead of central. He's not driving the ships. We are. He's just a passenger, and he's not one that's centrally moving the ship. And so these people, as I'm reading in Acts 2, they were meeting in homes together. They were going to church together. It says they met in the temple to worship. They had a sense of family that could only be d described as supernatural. 
They had a supernatural connection. It was a family connection. They were united around the gospel. They were united around the gospel, and that brought them together. And as they made disciples, as they went out making disciples who were making disciples, their groups would multiply, and their church naturally grew. And it says that, that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And it's, what that shows me is there was constant activity from the church, not just twice a week. They, they were living the church mentality, internal mentality, all week long. And so the Bible says that God added to their number daily. Well, why is that? And the only answer is they were being faithful to what they were being called to. And I've told you multiple times in here that your obedience to what God has called you to do is directly tied to God's faithfulness. So your obedience to what God has called you to do, as we obey, God shows himself faithful over and over and over again in our lives. And don't get me wrong, God's going to be faithful and carry out what he wants to do despite of you. But in your life, as you're obedient, he's going to show himself faithful to what he's called you to do. As you obey, as you obey, as you obey. Turn to Hebrews 10 real quick. If you don't have it, it's on the screen. We're going to read verse 19 to 25. It says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a, a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that brings faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another along towards good love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as, the, see, as we see the day approaching. And so I read through these uh, Acts 2, and I'm, 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 I'm seeing three things that I look at in healthy community. As, as I read this right here as well, it just kind of confirms it in my heart. And there's three things. The first one is community must have a, a healthy upward posture. Our, our communities must be God-centered. He must be the one that is leading it, guiding it, controlling it. He is the one where we adore, we worship. He's the one we center our hearts around. Because these new believers, they were experiencing God in incredible ways. Why? Because they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Because they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to obedience. Because they saw something in Christ that had changed their lives forever. It wasn't just something that was an addition. It says they were filled with awe and wonder at the many signs that, they were, that were occurring around them. So my question for you is, have you ever been in church, been at home in your prayer closet, been in, in Bible study, and just had a sense of awe and wonder? Just been like, <laughs> like just, it's just amazing. Like, God saved me from my sin. God moved. He sent his son to die. Or is this just something that's just kind of numb to you? Because you've just heard it a thousand times. It just hasn't, hasn't resonated. It hasn't penetrated your heart yet. Where are you at with that? Ask yourself those types of questions. This, is, this, is no, this kind of mindset, no doubt, led to worship and celebration. I can imagine being in a study or sitting in a group with those guys and how often they just stop saying, let's just sing praise to God because he deserves it. Because I just can't do it. That's the only way I know to express myself. Let's just sing. And most of the people in connect groups nowadays be like, that guy's weird. 
we're not singing right now. I'm uncomfortable. You know, like that. That's not how these guys were. They were done. They denied themselves. They were dead. Jesus was alive in them. And this is what it looks like. Read, read Acts, the whole entire book, and you'll see how much the church prayed. They prayed constantly. They prayed one time and the room shook. Room, it just shook. I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm waiting. Let's do this. I'm, I want this room to, to you know, it'd be awesome. Anyway, somebody like, oh, Michael, chill out. They simply wanted to experience God, man. They wanted to experience the fullness of God, not his blessings, but him. They wanted him, not his hand, but his face. They wanted to see God, not what he could provide them. They wanted him. In community, we have to protect our posture towards God always. We have to protect it. At, at church or a connect group, this is, the, this is the scary part. They can go through an entire year of meeting without ever, ever, ever experiencing God and because they're focused on themselves and not what they're reading and not who they're worshiping. It becomes about them and not God. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that it may grow you up in your salvation. Some interpretations of this verse says it's saying something like long for the word of God, the way an infant longs for milk. Peter's saying long for Jesus, not simply, not just simply to, reading the Bible to, be, to, to get something out of it, like I'm going to get my life changed because of it. Read it for Jesus and he'll change your life. Learn who he is through this and he'll come in and change your life. He's the one that does the changing. The Holy Spirit comes in. He's not saying, he's not saying I need to get in the word more. He's saying, open this Bible and say, God, show me who you are. Show me who you are. Not, I need to do this different. I need to, I need to God, it, it, show me who you are. He's saying, crave Jesus. And I have a little bit of a, uh, I, I can relate to this a little bit because I have one-year-old twins. And I want to tell you, whenever they're hungry, they let you know. And I'll tell you this, is that whenever they were about four or five or six months years old, it got to the point where sometimes they'd be crying so hard for their bottles, they'd have like blood vessels in their cheeks that were busted. They'd just be like, Bottle, I need my milk. I need it. I give it to me. Like, I mean, they were freaking out. And so, if I look at that, if I look at that, and I look at my 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 desire for God's word, what's the where's the where's it at on that scale? Am I like, give me the word? I need the word. Give me more of you, Lord. I need to know more. I need to know more of who you are. God, I, don't want, to, I want to see you come alive like I see in this book. I want to see your life in my life. God, I want to, I'll give you everything. I'll sell this. I'll do this. Just show up in my life. Is that our heart? If it's not, why not? Because that's what I see in Scripture, man. They were longing for Jesus. And so my question is, where are you on this? Like, where are we as a church on this? Ephesians 2 is another great example. You don't have to turn in there. Just look on the screen. It says this. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the people of God and also members of his household. Praise Jesus. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. My question is, look at your small groups. Look at your home. Does God dwell there? Are, are, you, are you cultivating a group that, that is, is following Jesus and that is doing what he says and, and God dwells there and his presence is there when you meet 
The answer is yes, but are you aware of it? Are you obeying? Are you following? Because this, what this verse is saying is as we grow in communities, common unities, God's love is revealed to the world around us. Like that's, if we're living the way the Word tells us to live, it gives the world an accurate, accurate picture of who God is. But the problem with our culture's church is that we put our desires in, 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 front, in the front row, and the, church, and the world is seeing a church that is being run by a bunch of humans being controlled by their sinful natures and not the Spirit of God. And if we would submit and surrender to the Spirit of God to come and have His way in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, then you would see something incredible happen. People see Jesus more clearly as we live together more unified around the gospel. Because our relationship, our relationship with one another is the criteria the world is going to use to judge whether or not your message is true. You hear that? That's the way that we live together is the way the world is going to judge whether what we do is true or not. And uh, Francis Schaeffer said, Christian community is the final apologetic to the world. Christian community is the final apologetic to the world. Us living together in, the, in community, following Jesus is a final, final apologetic. Number two, community must have a healthy inward posture. And healthy inward posture. If you notice, these are going right down the, the, um, the cultures of the connect groups. If you're familiar with connect groups, growth, care, mission. This is the care aspect. If you look back earlier in Acts 2, there were 3,000 people saved. That's crazy. That's like, I'm not even doing the math, but that's a lot of people. A lot of people. Think about 3,000 people getting saved at one time. Good. Awesome. That's great. 3,000 people getting saved at once. These people were radically changed. You look at Acts 2. They, they immediately began devoting themselves to one another. Well, that's care. That's caring for one another. The gospel radically transformed how they viewed their possessions their time, their identity, everything they had in life was run through the filter of the gospel, man. And many people in our culture, is what I've learned, is that even in the church, they make a sharp distinction between their, their relationship with Jesus and the church. I've heard multiple people say, I love Jesus, but I'm not so fond of the church. I, I, I go home and I, I follow Jesus at home. You know, all those, all those types of things. Me and my family, we have our own Bible study, we do our own thing. You know, whatever. That's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. And I want to tell you why, because Acts 2 doesn't paint that picture for us at all. Christ and his church are inseparable. If Christ is the head and we are the body, I don't think I have to explain very much about anatomy in here of what happens when the body or a member of the body is separated from the head. It's not pretty. It's kind of messy, right? And it's not, not right. When God saves us, Personal devotion to Christ and to the body is never an option. We have a new identity. There is no lone wolves in the kingdom. None. No lone wolves in the kingdom because it becomes part of our DNA. And this is why we must constantly be fighting and resisting the me mentality in the church and in our groups. Because what happens is if you're removing, if you're constantly removing yourself from community, and then listen to this, if you're constantly removing yourself from community because you're tired, or something came up, or you're busy, or you're burned out, or you just need a break, or whatever, then there's a disconnect in your understanding of what community is in the church. I mean, it, there is. And if you look in Scripture, you'll see these people in Acts loved one another 
and were supernaturally committed to one another. They, in a way that it, it, the divinity is being a divine inspired by God is the only way that we can understand this. Acts 4 is another great verse to approve this. Acts 4, 32 to 37 says this. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Hallelujah, that's awesome. I want to go to that church. No one claimed that any of their possession was their own, but they shared everything they had. Y'all, some people just checked out. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. No poor people in the church. Can you imagine that? What is happening here? Y'all are like, what's happening? This is weird. Never heard this verse. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put them in the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That is amazing. And we're not talking about socialism. This is incredible. This is, this is a biblical picture of what the church looks like. No poor people. This, ma- this makes absolutely no sense to the American culture that we're living in. No sense. Gone. Because inside of a group, inside of our body, inside of our community, we're called to live differently than the world tells us to live. But for too long, the church has adopted our culture's, uh, our culture's habits and our culture's culture. It's time for us to step out of that and live the way God's called us to live. What would it look like for somebody in your group who was struggling and your friend sold their car to pay a debt, to pay a medical bill? What does that look like? This is what we're talking about. And the church don't preach much about this because this is, this is too hard sometimes for some people. But this is community. This is what it looks like, man. No poor people. Growth, care, mission. It means they were, they, the church was caring for one another. If someone was struggling, they, they weren't ghosting each other because they didn't want to have to deal with the sacrifice. I ain't, I'm, uh, he, uh, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? They weren't doing that. They were saying, bro, he's having a hard time. I know. And, and, and pick up the phone and talk to a brother or a sister for however long it takes. Walk with them. They weren't ghosting one another, man. They cared for each other, and they were family. If it, think about this. If loving your brother or serving your sister or being there for a person in the church or in your small group is above you or is a brother or, or loving someone is inconvenient for you, I want to be the first to tell you very bluntly that you haven't even begun to understand the gospel. Jesus left eternity. He left divinity. He left glory to bend down into time and to, and to save a filthy sinner like me and like you. And it's our job as a body to reflect that type of concern and care for one another to the world as we live in community together around Jesus. And so my question is, is this important to you? Not in theory, but in application. Not in concept, but in, but, in, but in your lifestyle. Is this important to you? Because if you're saying, hey, I'm a Christian, Michael. I go to church. I'm involved in a connect group, and I give Christmas time, you know, different things. But is this important to you enough to change your life if you're wrong? And that's the question. Because he left eternity to do it for you. Being a Christian and being outside of healthy community is always a scary place to be. Um, and so we have to understand that. The last one, number three. Community must have a very healthy outward posture, mission. We have to be focused outward. We have to be focused on the lost, the lonely, the broken in our communities. The church in Acts 2 not only moved towards God and each other well, 
they moved towards the community well. They moved out to the community and reached the community. And they loved and they, they, were, they were committed to evangelism and discipleship. Acts, 4, Acts 2.47 says they found favor with everyone and the Lord added to their number daily. How would that be? If I found favor with everyone, <laughs> great. That's a miracle in itself. That's what it's about, man. God had saved, God has never saved a person, ever. God has never saved a person and told them to sit on their hands. Never. God has never saved a person and told you to sit back and relax. He always sends them out to reach other people. Always. God never calls us to complacency, but always into action. Always. My question for you now is, do you have a burden for non-believers? The lost, the, the hurting, the broken. Because if you're claiming Jesus and you're not giving Jesus away, you're being stingy, selfish, and a lot of other words that I'm not smart enough to remember right now. I'm telling you, we're called to give Jesus away to other people. Who is in your life right now that's far from God? Everybody had somebody that just went in your head. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, him, her. Everybody has somebody they thought about, right? That person. Who's in your life who's a non-believer, who doesn't know Jesus, who's hurting right now, who's going through a health or a financial crisis, who's going through something in your life that you could be a light for in their life, or your group could come around and handle some things in their life for them to love on them and show them who Christ is. Let me tell you, you've been placed where you're at with a purpose. Your, your relationship with that person is not by accident. God has put you as a light into their life. And what I want to tell you is do not wait on someone else to do what God has called you to do. Don't wait for someone else to love this person. Don't wait to go to the unreached nation because you think somebody else should do it. If God's called us to do it, let's go. Let's move into action and go. If a person across the street does not know Jesus, find some creative way to go reach that person. Make him a casserole, man. Make him a, some kind of dessert. Go say, hey, uh, I'm, I'm new in the neighborhood. I saw, hey, let's, let's hang out. Let's, let's come eat some food together. Everybody likes food, right? I hope. I do. Buy me over. I'll eat some dessert or casserole. Okay, we can practice. It's important. It's important. Here, a freebie. A freebie. Who goes out to eat at least once a week? Full participation. Come on. Once a week you go out to eat. Okay. Lots of people. A normal person will have 21 meals that they eat a week. A normal person. I'm more like 30 or 40. A normal person eats 21 meals a week. Having one of those meals, having one with a lost person should be a priority on your list. Just one. Just, just start with one. A lost person, say, I'm, hey, man, let's go have, let me go buy you lunch. And just form a relationship. I'm not saying go to the first lunch and say, turn and burn. I'm saying, I'm saying go to lunch. Go to lunch and love that person, form relationships with that person, learn about their family, learn about their past, learn about different things about them, learn about them, ask them questions about their life. And then the third lunch, guess what? A conversation may spark up about why you may be a little different, what you do in your free time, where do you go to church? And the conversation goes from there. You have to be intentional. Our mindsets need to change because as a group, this needs to be something in your connect groups. Those of you in connect groups, those of you that are not, Sign up before you leave today. I don't care if it's your first week here. Sign up. We'd love to have you. It'd be great, man. Because I want to tell you, in your groups, in your groups, make it a goal. Set some goals. Hold each other accountable. Hey, who are you talking to this week? Who's in, who's in your life that you need to talk to about, about the Lord? Like, witness. Like, share the gospel. Who, who is it? And let's go around the circle. All right. Write it down. All right. Next week, how'd it go? 
Did it go well? How can we pray for you? Let's do it. That's holding one another accountable. Set goals, meet goals, set more goals. That's what you do as a group. Because the moment that, that churches or small groups or individuals stop caring about communities or stop caring about the communities they, that they live in is the moment they begin to descend into irrelevance. Because I'm telling you, if you don't care about the people around you that you work with in your community, you're, you, as a church, you're irrelevant. You're not doing anything other than coming together in a holy huddle on Sunday to worship. Kind of to summarize all of this, community without evangelism is useless. Community without evangelism is, is useless and pointless. Why do you meet? Community without discipleship is pointless. If you're not making disciples through community, it's pointless to meet together. Like, learn how to disciple in those moments. And finally, Christianity without community does not make biblical sense. If you're living outside of community as a believer in Christ, you're outside of God's will. I'm just saying. According to Scripture, we are called to live in community together, to be pushed forward, to go together. And why? Why is that? Well, because if you're in community, someone can hold you accountable to what you're called to do. But so many times in our culture, we don't want to be told what we're doing is wrong. So we run. We hide. We, we, we cover sin. Communities hold us accountable. They support us in trials. They care for us in persecution. You say, well, we live in America. There's no persecution. It's coming. Persecution is coming to this nation, I promise. We can hold each other accountable, support one another, care for each other, and challenge each other to step up. And so this is my question today as we close. If community that the church, if it's in community that the church bears the image of God the best, if it's in community that we're able to fulfill God's intended purposes, if it's in community that we will most effectively reach our communities, then ultimately it's one of the most important things in your walk. To be connected to a godly, healthy community. How well do you do this? Personally, how well do you do this? Are you saying, hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I'm not really in community. <laughs> I'm doing my own thing. I'm a lone wolf. You know, I'm not, that's, not, that's, not, that's not biblical. It's important to be connected with people. There's a few things about a community that will allow you to grow, and it's vulnerability, transparency, trust. You ask anybody in this room that's in a connect group, if you trust your group, they're like, yes, I've shared a lot of things with them. I hope I trust them. I'm vulnerable in my group. I'll tell them anything. And I'm transparent. I'm telling I don't have it all together. But I, we know who does, and they are, they're encouraging me to go to him. But what's also cool is these things right here that I just said are also the three things that are also required to take another step towards Jesus today. Vulnerability. Transparency before him. God, I ain't got it together. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't know what I'm doing. And trusting him. And so my, my thing today for you is don't let your fear or your pride keep you where you know you're not supposed to be. Because God has called you to get in the game as a Christian. God, some of us are sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to come in some huge cloud-parting moment to, to put us in the game. But he's already done that. God has already put you in the game when Christ came to die for you. And he put his spirit inside of you. And he sent his son to save our lives from hell by going on the cross and rising again so that I didn't have to face what I deserved, but he gave me something I didn't deserve. 
So how do you get in the game? How do we take that step into the game? Well, you do what I just said, what Marina said earlier. You take another step. You take another step. You take another step until you closer and closer and closer to God. The, the, the thing I want to say is move. Move. Don't just sit where you are because of fear or because of insecurities. Start where you're at and move forward. Invest in a connector. Just join one. If you don't like that one, join another one. If you don't like that one, talk to me. We'll figure out what's going on with you. So that's what's going on. Like that's what's happening is like buy into what God's doing here or anywhere. If, it, if you don't go to church here, that's okay. Buy into what God is doing wherever you're planted. Get planted in there because I promise you something special is happening in this building. And in 5, 10, 15 years, we're going to look back on this day and be like, what is happening? I believe it because God's put it in my heart. And I've seen it. It's today the day for salvation for some of you in here. Let's evaluate our hearts today. It's today your day to say yes to Jesus. I don't care if you're on staff here. I don't care if you're in leadership here. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day to make that right. Today is a day to make that right. Because what our culture has taught us to do is to hide. It's to hide. Come out of the shadows. Come out of, the, of hiding. Because my question here is how long have you been exactly where you're at right now in your walk with Jesus? How long? Has it been years? 10 years? 15 years? Where's God moving in your life? Are you basing your eternity and your identity on saying, I believe in Jesus? But I haven't taken any steps of obedience or seen any type of fruit in your life to, to back up that claim. Because we can't call ourselves followers of Christ if we aren't following Christ. We can't do it. We, if we say, hey, I'm a Christian, but we've never seen evidence of change or, or transformation in our lives, we need to talk. We need to get this right. Eternity is real, and it's long, and it's awesome if you're a child of God. Man, so my question is, do you know Jesus today? Do you know the Father? Do you know Him? I'm not talking about knowing about Him. I'm not talking about having this thing memorized. I'm not talking about knowing all the Christian songs or can win a debate about Christian Christianity. I'm talking about knowing Jesus. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? He's the one who gave up His throne in heaven to come to earth for you. He bore the cross, Hebrews says, with joy. For you. So do you trust him? It's today the day. So I want to ask you, if you've never walked into a relationship with Jesus, I want to ask you to do something really bold. I think it was pretty bold for Jesus to come to earth and die on a cross for us and be raised up on a cross and die and be and raised again. It was pretty bold. And so today you know your life is not where it needs to be at. And you know you don't know Jesus, but you know today you need to make that turn and make that call. I just want to ask you to slip your hand up so we can pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Is anybody here today that wants to make that call? Anybody? All right. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Would you mind praying with Meredith? That's awesome. That's what it's about, guys. That's awesome. Get Praise God. That's what it's about. Ice is broken now. Anybody else? All right, well, let me pray for you. And as, I, and as I pray, guys, if there's something in your life that you know that's holding you back, come to this altar and let it, let it, lay it down. 
We have a prayer team that would love to lay hands on you and pray for you or not lay hands on you and pray for you. You just want to pray, do that. Like, do, do what God's calling you to do. But let me pray for you, and as I pray, you come. Father God, we love you. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. I thank you for being a God that loves us, a God that saved us, a God that's made a way when there was no way. Father, I pray for hearts right now, God, as we, as we uh, go into this last song of worship, God, that you would just pierce the hearts of people who are running from you, Father. I pray that you would bring them back now, Father. I pray, God, this altar would be a safe place, Father, for lives to be changed, God, that you would just bring us to our knees in submission to you, Jesus, because we love you and you're a good God. You're a caring Father, and you want us to be in your presence, God. So I pray we would come now. In Jesus' name, amen.